0: This is Ken J. Kushfinger. You listen to the buzzcast at sportsbuzz.ca. Peterson heard the call. Geedy moved the puck up the boards. Louie Erickson.
1: Jordano checks Pedersen. Knocked the puck away from him. Josh Lever's got to get this puck up. Line's been on for a while. He gets it to center. Myers stood up there and comes right back in. Here's Patterson. Wall leads the puck for Myers. Gets open. Fires the shot. Scores.
0: (laughs) Relentless pressure, and Vancouver finally gets a go-ahead goal. Tyler Myers gets it, and it's a 2-1 Vancouver lead. Welcome to the podcast. It's Kenji Kushbringer. and yours truly, the Hustler McSavage. Yeah, what's Old going Savage? on,
1: buddy? Long time. It's been it's a while.
0: Been, it's been a few days, but uh, you know, it's been a few good days for for the Canucks. You know, I think uh, ever since uh, that uh, that uh, incident with uh, JT Miller and uh, Holtby, I think uh, things have changed a little bit. And not a whole lot, you know. They, they lost the next two games, the the Montreal and uh, Toronto games, but uh, they were a lot closer, three uh, one games, both of them. And oh, sorry, it was uh, the Toronto and uh, Calgary games. They lost three uh, one. Um, s- similar way they lost. They both, uh, you know, they were tight games. They played a lot better defensively, but uh, a few mistakes cost them, and then the hot goaltending kind of uh, cost them the games in those two games, and then. Uh, Recently in the last game against Calgary they you know they they dominated Calgary and they they uh, you know it was a complete effort from the team and uh if it wasn't for uh, Jacob Markstrom, I think it would have been a you know the score would have been a lot better for the Canucks.
1: Well I'd like to just sort of break down the scoring from last night's game Canucks final score 3 to 1 against the Calgary Flames Thatcher Demko only had to make 18 saves. They outshot Calgary with uh, Markstrom making 43 saves. On a forty-five shot attempt game, an empty netter goal by Brandon Sutter, the game winner by Tyler Myers. Quinn Hughes, Huggy Bear, had the opening score for Vancouver, and Sam Bennett tied the game all in the second period. What's your take on this game last night itself?
0: Well, while we're talking about Quinn Hughes, um, you know that that play that he made—it looked like he was going to do a pass to Pedersen. He kind of faked it and uh, and scored it uh, on uh, Markstrom. There, you know, there's, there's a nice play that he made. But I think uh, overall his defensive game um, against Calgary was really good. I think uh, he had an active stick getting in the lane, getting in past lane, blocking shots. Uh, Overall, I think he played a lot better uh, defensively than he has most of the year. And uh, I think generally the team, uh, and specifically like just the way that they're uh, sitting in the neutral zone, kind of making it a lot harder for teams to come in on a on a breakout, make, forcing teams to kind of dump and chase instead of letting them uh, carry right through the neutral zone. And I also noticed that the, the gaps between the forwards and the defensemen are a lot tighter now. So it's, instead of trying to make long stretch passes, they're kind of helping out the forwards, are coming back a bit more, helping out the D, making a little bit easier passing options than they were trying to do the stretch, long stretch passes before. What's your take
1: on Demko's uh, goaltending last night?
0: Well, he he wasn't too busy, but I think he was solid. I think he played well. Um, I don't think he could blame him too much on uh, the goals there. It's kind of maybe uh, maybe got a little bit bored, uh, not getting too much action. But uh, I, I think a lot of goalies, a lot of good goalies, they they play better when they're getting a lot of shots on them. I think when they don't get a lot of shots, it kind of makes it a little bit trickier, kind of hard to kind of keep your head in the game. But I think uh, overall, Demko did a good job, and uh, he's uh, he's rounding out into form.
1: I'd like to ask you a question in regards to the Vancouver Canucks or the former Vancouver Canuck players in Calgary there bigger loss your opinion Chris Tanev or Jacob Markstrom if any
0: I think as as of right now it's to me it kind of feels like in the short term at least it's Markstrom it's because well they they let Markstrom go knowing that you know Damko's going to eventually develop into the goalie that he's going to be is Demko that goalie right now? Pro- probably not, but I think eventually in time it, it will prove to be the right decision by the Canucks. But in the short term, I think uh, Markstrom saved a lot of uh, games for the Canucks and, and made up for a lot of mistakes that we would make uh, with them. Uh, you know, like now, now that you're seeing it, these bad giveaways and stuff, I'm getting exposed and we're getting scored on. Last year, a lot of those saves Markstrom would make and then keep us still in the games that maybe we shouldn't have been in. So I think uh, by marching leaving, I think the team's learning that they got to actually learn to play proper defence and can't just expect the goalie to bail them out all the time. But uh, also Tanev. Tanov was a you know, good, steady influence back there. He was a good partner for Quinn Hughes. But to me, I, the way I look at it, Quinn Hughes is an elite player. He shouldn't need Tanev to be elite. I think uh, he should. Be, he's a smart enough player that he should be able to figure it out without Tanev. Tanev was a good, uh, steady influence, but I think... Uh, In the long run, I think the Canucks will be better off uh, without Tanev. Uh, I think uh, a guy who's not performing that well is is Nate Schmidt, but I think overall he's going to become and will be a better defenseman than Tanev.
1: Well, I know Tanev is... uh, uh, Tanev's acquisition for Calgary has made them a better team. Not just a better team, but better defensively at least one structured line there between him and Noah Hannafin he has made Noah Hannafin, he's the better Hannafin there. Yeah. he has solidified the situation there a little bit I won't say he's improved Calgary's defense vastly but it's a much more improvement on the aspect of Noah Hannafin I feel it's a little bit uh a little bit uh Quinn Hughes getting to Quinn Hughes not having that defensive partner but maybe that will all change with the return of Travis Han- Hamnick. Any news on Travis Hammonick and his return?
0: Um I heard he's he's getting close. I'm not sure if he's uh, available quite yet, but I think uh, I think it's it's going to be pretty soon he'll be back in the lineup. Um I think that's that's another thing is you know he's been injured most of the year so we haven't really got to see too much of uh, Hamnick and see because basically, it's he's kind of filling in more on that uh, penalty-killing role that uh, Tanev does or or did with the Canucks before last year. And then, uh, you know, so Hamannick defensively is kind of uh, the replacement for uh, Tanab, but we haven't really had him much of the year. So uh, him and Quinn hasn't haven't really had uh, much time to gel together. And, and the games that we did see Hamannick, he was kind of matched up against McDavid. And he didn't look too good, but, uh, you know, a lot of people don't look too good when they're playing against McDavid.
1: Of course, of course, that's the case, especially if it's McDavid or Austin Matthews for that matter. Um, you gotta always go
0: back to your Leafs, huh?
1: You know it, buddy. Uh, speaking of Leafs, would you agree on They the lost yesterday, that... huh? Oh, yeah, they did. Did they lose the game? Is that even possible? The Leafs can lose? That will all change. Joel Thornton yeah. will make his return after a 10 works. game absence. Just thought I'd point that out. Speaking of the Leafs, uh, would you agree with this sentiment I'm about to uh, make here? The Leafs and the Habs will take the first two spots in the four-spot division for the playoffs, leaving a four-horse ho- four race between the Vancouver Canucks, Edmonton Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Calgary Flames So the last two spots of this division. Would you agree? Or... I
0: think that, sounds, that this sounds pretty accurate right now. Like, to me, the the Leafs and Montreal have kind of uh, you know separated themselves from the rest of the pack, and then now there's kind of just a you know a clump in the middle. I thought uh, Winnipeg was going to kind of go towards the way of uh, Toronto and uh, Montreal, but they're kind of kind of I guess you can lump them all in the same uh, same area with in, in the middle there with uh, Edmonton Calgary and uh, the Canucks and obviously it's, the Senators uh, no one's giving them any chance to do anything uh, but uh, maybe get the
1: Senators time. will not um Winnipeg can slowly go into the tier of the top 3 there
0: slowly Yeah but to, to me they're get... not they're not quite there yet I I thought they would be but uh, they don't seem like they're fully there. like I think they lost to to Ottawa the other day right
1: Yes, they did lose, I think, by a 2-1 score two one, with yeah. Brady Brady Kachuk getting the, the game winner. winner there. Yeah. Um, I would like to point out in, in that aspect, I would agree with you somewhat, but I think we should give Winnipeg a little bit of time here with, uh, with uh, the acquisition of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. And he has done his 14-day quarantine, so he has been playing, I think, the last game or two. Let his feet get wet a little bit and let's see Winnipeg, how they look as a team going forward. You know, on, a the, couple on, the, of
0: weeks. on the other end of that trade, uh, you know, like, Lane is doing his thing. He's getting his goals. And actually, Ross, uh, Jack Roslovich is actually looking quite good uh, in Columbus there as well. as He's getting a little bit of playing time. Yeah, they both are actually looking good there. I think the benching
1: for Lane with uh, Tortorella there, I think it's more, it might have just even sparked a little fire under his ass, and he might...
0: Yes. Yeah, suppose- ripping it up. Supposedly, it was, it was the incident, uh, like you know, off the ice with one of the other assistant coaches that happened. Uh, but who really knows with uh, with Tortorella? There, right? It's, it could be just him uh, flexing and uh, trying to establish his. Is the which
1: I have, which I have no problem with that either. Right. You know, if you're going to, he's uh Tortorella has a rep to be like that with every player. It doesn't matter if you're a superstar, you can score 50 goals, you can score no goals. You're going to all be treated the same, which I feel should be fair in the hockey world. Well, I, uh, I, that, I... that's fair treatment. And uh, Lane we know is not, um, his defensive presence is not always there. So if, if, if it takes Tortorella to light a fire under that ass and make him a better defensive player going forward, it would be better for Lanné because I believe he is on a bridge deal. I think this year and next year he's under contract and then he'll be a free agent again and a res- an unrestricted free agent on top of that. And I believe if Lanné wants to have the flex appeal of being able to play on any team and have that have a team approach him, he will need the defensive aspect in his game. Agreed on or no?
0: I, do, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think uh, starting last season, I think Lanné has made a, a more of an effort to play better defensively i think he did uh, you know kind of round out his game a little bit i think uh the comments he made after he got benched was kind of uh, he was happy that uh all players were held accountable didn't matter what uh, status they were including himself right and i think the issue that he had in winnipeg was that uh certain stars uh mark Scheifele and uh Blake Wheeler seemed to be kind of getting preferential treatment of who they get to play with, and uh, you know how they get to call their own shots and that kind that kind of stuff. And that really, uh, you know, Lani didn't like that that kind of preferential treatment those we guys were getting. And you know, some people could argue that maybe it's Blake Wheeler kind of just uh, self preservation, uh, didn't want to give up his uh, you know his position to a younger, more up and coming player in Lanie. But, uh, you know, that, that kind of, you know, who, who really knows what goes on with the locker rooms. But uh, I think a lot of people are trying to point at uh, Torrell as a negative uh, factor in, in Lane possibly re-signing in Columbus. But maybe there's a chance that maybe, you know, it could be the opposite. It could be maybe one of the reasons why Lane wants to stay in Columbus where everyone is accountable and, and you know, no player is above the team and everyone has to answer for whatever they do, right?
1: Going back to the Canucks here, uh, ownership has made it clear that he's given the go green light for both Travis Green and Jim Benning, uh to not worry about their jobs and worry about the team and what's ahead of the future. What's your take on? Yeah, those? that
0: that vote of confidence. It's uh, you know sometimes people say it's uh, you know it's it's a a mark of death that you get a vote of confidence, but I think you know stability comes from the top, right? So if if the owners telling the the GM and the coaches that you know don't worry. I believe in what you guys are doing. It's kind of a. I think the way Aquilini kind of said it was. It's kind of a off season the way it is with the COVID and all that kind of stuff, and not training properly, not having proper practices. Kind of a kind of hard to kind of get your footing, especially with the the turnover of the roster and all that kind of stuff. So, Aquilini giving the vote of confidence kind of from the top kind of gives everybody kind of like a you know like a little break, just calm down, relax, take a deep breath you know, let's, let's work through it. And, uh, you know, and since those comments have been made, it, it looks like the, you know, the effort level is definitely there. Like you to lose those two games, uh, the Toronto and Calgary games when they lost three, one, um, I'm not going to say it's acceptable to lose, but those are the kind of losses that you're more willing to accept than when you're getting blown out and there's no effort there. You know, you're giving effort and, and you make one mistake and, you know, a good team will make you pay for that one mistake and you will lose games like that that are tight and close like that. But the fact that we were in the game all the way through and, you know, minus one little mistake, uh, we we could have won those games. And, and I think both those games against Calgary and... Uh, uh, Toronto, we, we, it seemed like we were outplaying the opposition and just uh, the goaltending with uh, Frederick Anderson and, and Markstrom was, was quite good. And I think we outshot both teams as well, but uh, just uh, for some reason we couldn't come up with a win. And then obviously the latest game against Calgary when we did win, uh, it just kind of uh, all that hard work seems like it's finally starting to pay off. I think another issue is also, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, Hughes and... Uh, Patterson both coming into contract years, maybe that's kind of put up the pressure on them as well. Um, I think it's you know no no player would I want to admit it, but I think you you do start thinking about things like that when you're trying to when you're trying to play a game. Maybe you start trying a little bit too hard, trying to worry about uh, numbers and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yes, I think it, as they solidify their defensive game, I think uh, everything else should round into form.
1: Your take on Braden Holpe, and uh, I won't say slow start to the season, but a poor start to the season. Mind you, both goalies have started off poor, but I think that Thatcher Demko has played a little bit better than Holpe. Your take on... I
0: think so. I think definitely uh, Demko is playing better than Holpe. Um, I think Demko deserves to play a little bit more than Holpe. I'm not just saying... How uh, much more, but uh, I think definitely he he's uh, kind of emerging more as the number one uh, over Holtby right now. You know, the the thing with Holtby is you know there are high hopes. He was a, a Vesna winning goalie, a Cup winning goaltender uh, coming over. Um, you know, one of the most successful goalies uh, currently. Like you know, like I think he's second all time in uh, um, active goalie wins, or maybe over top three. I guess I guess cause I don't know if you want to count Lundqvist as active right now, but you know, I think. Uh, the thing is, uh, he's you know they were saying oh he, you know he he came over for Ian Clark and uh, Ian Clark's supposed to be this uh, goaltender you know goaltending guru guru and you know I'm not I'm not seeing it quite yet or I'm not at least I'm not seeing it in Holtby quite yet but you know it, it, not having that much practice time is probably is having a factor in uh, not being able to work out uh, certain problems or certain. Uh, uh, Kings in the in, in their game, and uh, I think uh, as time goes on, hopefully that that kind of stabilizes, and uh, hope he can kind of regain his, uh, his. I mean,
1: I I would you know you know how everybody likes to blame the pandemic. I would put the blame on pandemic, but when I see Mike Smith being on injury reserve for the longest time and just coming back and winning two straight games for the Edmonton Oilers and having a shutout in on in his last outing, that sort of takes that that thought away from me. What's your take on that?
0: I think a lot of times when players, uh, you know, have been out for a while and they come into the lineup, I think they they get a little bit of extra adrenaline flowing through them. And, you know, like sometimes you'll see that as a, a guy who's been injured for a while for a few weeks comes in and, you know, he'll get a goal and he'll have, you will know, look like he's flying. And then uh, after a couple of games, he'll kind of, you know, come back to reality and, uh, you know, not be quite as effective. Right. But uh it it's kind of hard to gauge one single performance like you know like uh, i think mike smith he did look good in the second game as well but uh, it kind of remains to be seen like you know it's with goalies if you, if you got your game you could look off for a couple of days and then you could look really bad for a couple of days as well right uh one Any thing other I... sorry one thing yes, i wanted to touch on is uh just talk a little bit uh, about the canucks uh, prospect uh, situation Okay, uh, I just want to talk about uh our boy Vasily Podkolzin, um, the Russian uh, winger that we drafted a couple of years ago. I think uh, me and you, McSavage, we were there at the draft. Uh, yes, exactly we were there at the draft live.
1: I was just gonna mention
0: that. Yes, it was the 10th overall selection in that draft, and I, I remember the time that he got drafted. Uh, you know, all the scouts were saying basically he was, he was the top three talent. Uh, skill-wise, but uh, the reason why he slipped was the, the Russian factor and, and the fact that uh, he was signed for two more years of uh, of playing in the KHL uh, prior to being able to sign a contract with the NHL. And a lot of teams kind of got scared off by that. But uh, Benning kind of said, you know, he's he's okay with that. He, you know, he thought uh, most players take a couple years before they're ready anyways. And uh, since then, um, last year in the KHL, he had a decent year. Um this year, I think he's up to 11 points in 33 games, uh, which is for for KHL. The thing is, uh, when you're young, playing a KHL, you don't get a lot of playing time. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of his games, he's been playing on the fourth line, uh, not getting a lot of power play time, a little bit of uh, penalty killing time. Uh, last year, when near the end of the year in the playoffs, he actually started picking it up a little bit and started playing. Uh, you know, get getting more points and stuff like that. And then in the beginning of this year, it looked like he was going to have a good start. Uh, but then uh, he kind of hit a wall, and then uh, he started getting benched. And he got sent back down to the VHL. The VHL there is is kind of like the AHL of the the KHL of the of the Russian hockey league. And then there's also a MHL, which is like a junior uh, league there. So he kind of bounced around between those those leagues and got, brought, got called back up. But I think uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, kind of like team politics. They're kind of trying to pressure him to sign a longer term contract with his club there, which is a uh, you know, in, in something he's not too interested in, and I think that's part of the reason why he's been getting shafted and getting limited minutes and not getting a lot of uh, offensive zone time with the team. But in the last few weeks, he's, his game has picked up. He's getting power play time. He's getting more ice time and uh, looking more and more like he's uh, pretty much NHL ready prospect who's going to be coming over pretty soon. Speaking of prospects,
1: any word on your boy Nikita Triampkin? <laughs>
0: As far as I know, can still playing uh, with his team. It looked like he was almost about to come over last season when his contract expired, but he just signed a, a, just, a, just a one-year contract. I think that might have been uh, kind of uh, the Canucks having Jordy Benordi on the on the books and not being able to kind of move that contract, so it would be hard to kind of fit uh, Triamkin into the in, into the current cap situation. But I think uh, you know waiting another year once these guys come off the books, I think. Uh, like, uh Jody Benz contract expires this after this season, so I think the, you know there might be a spot open for Tramkin to come back and make his return. Speaking of draft picks, would you agree? Let's get back to
1: Jim Benning and the progress he's done as a Vancouver Canuck GM for the last, how many years it's been? Six, seven years, I believe. Yeah. Here's my take on Jim Benning. He has drafted... <laughs> I would say great in most part. He's drafted the probably the best player in that draft class in Elias Patterson at number five, when I believe Nico Heischer was number one at that time, followed by Nolan Patrick. So, hands down, I believe he won that draft in picking Patterson. Uh, No,
0: even Quinn. I think a lot of people might take Quinn Hughes over Rasmus Dallin. No, no, of of course,
1: I would agree with that. But at the same time, I would also say I can. I am bending the, the kudos on drafting Quinn Hughes, but that's also... Partly to do with Steve Eisenman drafting uh, Philippe Zadina before that, which I believe was a mistake on Steve Yzerman's part. So we'll give Stevie Y the mistake there for for Quinn Hughes dropping to the lap of Jim Banning and the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Yeah, but drafting a you know undersized defenseman with a you know like a high pick is it takes a little bit of balls to do that move as well, True,
1: right? But you when know, you got Quinn Hughes, I'll
0: guarantee that undersized defenseman is going to turn into what what Hughes is developing. Exactly, because. You
1: know, That's the thing, right? He's like leading defenseman scoring right now in the NHL and is just his second year, like sophomore year doing that. It's pretty crazy. Um, I would give him props in picking Brock Besser as late as he did and knocking it out of the ballpark with that pick. Um, Jake Bertanen, I don't know.
0: Uh, the- well, to me, uh, I'll say it like this: out, out, out of all those picks, obviously you're mentioning Vertana doesn't look, you know, like that that good. And that, that was Benning's first draft, and he also picked uh, later in that draft. He picked uh, Jared McCann with our second. Uh, that was uh, the other one pick
1: I, I was going to bring up as well.
0: From the the Kessler deal, and then he also in the second round picked uh, Demko, and then in the third round he got Triamkin. But I think you know, like maybe the, the quality wasn't there, but definitely there's there's some quantity there. And those guys are all legit NHL players. You know, cuz not playing in the NHL, but uh, when he did come in, you know, he looked like he's definitely, a, you know, a, a guy who could play in, the, in this league. Right? Well,
1: we're hoping for him to be at least Zdeno Chara's ass-cheek, if not. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, yeah, if he could be half of Zdeno Chara, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be happy with uh, that. I'll right? take
1: the ass-cheek, bro, no problem. If he can <laughs> be even the ass-cheek yeah. of Zdeno Chara, I'll take that in a heartbeat.
0: Well, I, I remember that one Dallas game, how he just he tossed Jordy, uh, Jamie Ben with one arm. Just kind of just threw him back like he like he was nothing, and, you know. And G- Jamie Ben's a big boy, boy. exactly. Yeah, you know, he, he's what like six two, two twenty, two thirty, something like that. And, you know, he, and Tram is tossing him like he ain't nothing. You know, it's kind of nice to have a, a demon can toss people around like that, right?
1: Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. Jim Benning, I believe, is on the hot seat. Do you believe that as well, or do you think it's Travis? Well, the, way,
0: the way I look at like, when when. Uh, when Jim Benning took over, uh, the position the Canucks were in, the Sedins were aging. Uh, you know, He wasn't going to trade the Sedins away, so there's no chance of getting any assets for that. Uh, Kessler kind of, with his no-trade clause, kind of limited to them to the amount of teams that he could make a trade to, so he was kind of handcuffed there Not not much he could do. And then uh, a lot of the other aging veterans, it was hard to kind of get any kind of return for them at all. So to me, like the actual value of the team in the sense of the players that we had and the contracts they had and the age that they were at was very, you know, almost in the negatives. A lot of the guys, we, we couldn't even give them away to people because no one wanted them. But now you look at the the roster now and, and pretty much besides Bo Horvat and uh, Edler, everyone here is pretty much Benning's guy. Right? You know, he brought all these guys in. And you're looking at the team now, even if they look like they're not making the playoff, they're young, they're up and coming. We got probably, we, well, we got the best offensive defenseman in the league right now. Uh, you can argue we have t- two of the best young centers in the league in, in Bo Horvat and Elias Pettersson. And, you know, like a sniper like Brock Besser to, to go along with them. You know, it, it's overall, it's it's looking pretty good. And, you know, it, 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 the, the initial trade record, uh, you know, the trades that Benning made didn't look too good in the beginning. Uh, some of the free agent signings don't look too good. But uh, some of the moves that he did make, you know, like he, he, he got good Branson, but uh, he was able to get good Branson and turn him into... Uh, Tanner Pearson so that's you know that's an easy win and that's that's a good move that he made Um, another move uh, was obviously the the JT Miller a lot of people didn't like the idea of giving up a first round pick for him but once he came in and you know he led the team in in playoff scoring uh, by the end of the year no one's complaining about that trade either that's that looks like a definite win for for Benning as well and even uh, even the Thomas uh, Vanick for Tyler Mott trade you know, at the time, I was kind of like, who the hell is Tyler Mod? But, uh, you know, he's actually a really good player. And I think he's going to be a big part of the team going forward. Leading the league in hits right now in the National Hockey League. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, like, so those, those are some good trades that he made. You know, and, and not every GM is going to get it right every time. Not every. Draft pick is going to work out. Not every trade is going to work out. Not every free agent signing is going to work out, right? Yeah. And to to people right now, seeing players like uh, Tofoley leave and Tanev and Markstrom leave over money, and then you know having to play these Canadian teams and seeing them so often, see them you know perform well against them, it just hurts a little more and stings a little extra. But I think the whole point of us not locking into those veterans is so that we can turn around in a couple of years and have the money to pay the guys that we need to, which is our young core that's, that's coming up. And that's what really matters. We need to make sure we got all those guys locked in. And once we get them locked in, then we can try to worry about uh, trying to fill out uh, a decent roster around them for them to play with. I will say
1: this on a note when it comes to Jim Benning or any GM for that matter. In most cases, you always see a GM build the team, build the team, build the team, and then for some reason, one 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 reason or another, another GM comes and takes over. This GM that builds the team gets fired. Another GM will come and, rightfully so, will sort of guide them to the Stanley Cup. Some win them, some don't. Yeah,
0: but but okay, like I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna kind of interrupt you there. But just I I get what you're saying, right? But with Benning, like, like look at the Canucks' history, like. Look at the players we've drafted as as a team, as a franchise, and and look at the te- look at the guys we've drafted in the last f- five six years with Benning. You know, in the last five or six years, we've drafted better players than probably in the history in of this the whole history team. History of the national. So Nazi, you, you got yes. you got the golden goose. Like whatever Benning's doing, the good or the bad, the good that's coming out of it, this 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 goose is just shitting out killer draft picks. You know what I mean? And even Hoaglander is looking like he's going to be a stud yes. too. The way he's playing, you know, and and. You don't want to give that up, man. Because even if you make a bad trade, you make a bad signing. What what wins what wins you Stanley Cups are, are the core that you have before you make the trades to bring in the other guys. Because you, because you look you look at uh, Chicago, that that team that won the cup, their best players, they drafted them. You know Patrick Kane. They didn't trade for Patrick Kane. They drafted him. Johnny Taze, They drafted him. Duncan Keith. Uh, Brent Seabrook, they drafted those guys. And that's the
1: point I wanted to make. It's very rare you see a GM yeah. go from beginning to end, drafting and finishing it off, winning the Stanley Cup. Especially in our case, I'll give you an example like when Vancouver went to the 2011 Stanley Cup, that team, most for the most part, was built by Brian Burke. The finishing touches was Gillis, but it was Brian yeah, Burke. And, doing.
0: and that, now, now let's, let's look at the key players there. You know, the Sadins, the Canucks drafted, Kessler, we drafted. Uh, you know, the. Um, who else is there on, on the defense Vyeksa uh, Edler we drafted right like yeah there were some free agents in, in Tanev and uh, um, you know some of the other guys like that but Dan the, the core you. of the team yeah Dan yeah I mean some guys you bring in trades or, or free agents but like the, the core of the team is, is you got to draft well and, and you got to draft a good core you know, like three or four players, solid players that you can build around, and then the rest you got to kind of try to make the right moves to kind of fill that that spot. But now, when I look at the Canucks roster now and the age of these of, the, of our core, I think you know, like we're we're set for the next five ten years. We're ready to go, and now it's all about finding the right pieces to put around these guys.
1: Well, I hope Bra, for Jim Benning's sake that he can end his tenure here with Stanley Cup
0: especially drafting as well as he has done in the history of you don't let the Golden Goose go. You don't let the Golden Goose We've waited 40 fucking years for a Golden Goose, 50 fucking years for a Golden Goose like this. You don't let it go now. Well, I would hope that Vancouver, if you're not going to do any
1: changes, add like how the Pittsburgh Penguins, where they got Mr. Truculence, Brian Burke as the vice president of hockey operations. I believe we need somebody like that to sort of steer the ship the right way with Jim Benning, do you agree? And if so. and if so, who would be the perfect president or vice president of hockey operations for the Vancouver Canucks?
0: Well, to me, I honestly the, the guy just got hired by Pittsburgh. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is Brian Burke, right? But uh, you know, like uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that Brian Burke got back in. And, you know, in the think, game. Uh, yeah, like you know, I think he's he's the kind of guy that you need around the league. You know, he's he's kind of old school, but uh, he's you know he's. He's awesome for a quote, right? And and I th- I think the thing about Brian Burke is, he's willing to kind of deal with the media and kind of deal with all that shit. So then whoever's working, they can kind of actually get get down to work and do what they need to do. Like, especially like for a guy like Benny, could have benefited from that because then he'd let him do his drafting, do his do his work, and then you got Burke, Burke in there to kind of you know flex. flex, right? Just you know, just a, a stare down, a look, a little sigh in the background, and you know, kind of make people kind of do what needs to be done, right? But, uh, you know, since Lyndon left, uh, it's kind of been like, you know, like a majority of teams kind of have a general manager and a president kind of, uh, you know, tandem that goes, you know. like He has, uh, Benning has that he hired as an assistant general manager, but uh, he let uh, Lyndon go and, and there's been no one else, kind of no other voice there besides Weisbrot, who's kind of just a Benning, you know, Benning's boy, Benning's right-hand man kind of thing, just a yes man for Benning. And pretty much telling us who to, who to draft from or who to trade from for, from Calgary pretty much because his previous experience there, but uh, which is not really that helpful. Like Grandland and Marshy haven't really panned out. But uh, I think uh, <coughs> it leaves the Canucks a little bit shorthanded. It's a lot of work on uh, Benning's plate and maybe it's a little bit much for him. And a guy that was rumored to, to maybe possibly have interest was uh, Dean Lombardi, the former uh, Kings uh, general manager, but... Uh, to I, would to, I would love. I would love to that. get
1: somebody with that kind of presence and two two Stanley Cups under his resume as a part of the Vancouver Canuck organization. That would be a
0: great acquisition for the club. Yeah, I think just someone with some more experience. You know, like uh, like when when Linden came, Linden had no experience. He hired Betting, who had no experience. They hired Willie Desjardins, who had no experience. And you know, like it's. I don't know if it's the best strategy to go with no experience all the time. We need the experience if you want to have the experience. Exactly. Like, Benning's got a good thing going. He's got the, you know, he's got the the golden goose. He's, he's getting these these picks and all that stuff. But you need to find someone else to kind of help, like you said, steer the ship and kind of just uh, be a sobering thought or an extra thought and, and kind of uh, help make these decisions. Because I'm not sure if uh, you know like Benning's Benning's doing good overall, but the the thing that's saving him is is his draft picks for sure.
1: And just before we wrap this up for the day, just thought I'd break down a couple of -of out-of-town scores for the rest of the day. Only two other National Hockey League games. We have a final score, Pittsburgh Penguins 6, the Washington Capitals 3. We have a current game happening as we speak in the second period of play, one nothing, the Vegas Knights over the Colorado Avalanche. who have come back from a, what, maybe a, a week or two week hiatus in the COVID, and we have a postponed game of Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Rangers postponed to a later
0: date. Final note you know, I was just going to say with this whole COVID thing, it kind of just throws a wrench in everything. You know, like you're, if you're a team, you, you got a good good momentum going on, and all of a sudden you get a COVID outbreak, and the teams and everything shut down for a, a week or two weeks, then it kind of just ruins the whole flow of the season, right? But I guess it's Something that every team is kind of uh, trying to deal with and uh, trying to steer around, right?
1: Yes, this COVID is really unfortunate times. Um, not fun to be a part of, but uh, what can we do? Let's hope uh, we can get through these bad times and have uh, brighter days ahead of us. Next game for the Vancouver Canucks will be tomorrow. <clears throat> Night against the hey, Calgary that's... Flames once again, seven o'clock start.
0: Before we finish off, uh, McSavage, I just, uh, you know, I heard this rumor that uh, someone saw you uh, at uh, Team 1040 Studios with a steel chair, um, covered in blood, dripping with blood, and uh, you were screaming out something like, It's this is my time, <laughs> my time, something like that. You know, I think uh, you, you, you you went in and shut down the studio.
1: Uh no, my friend, I would never do that to Don Taylor and the boys like that. It's unfortunate what happened with 1040. I hope they can be be back on air. If not, Don Taylor, you're welcome to join us here.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bring Donnie boy here.
1: You can join us, no problem, sportsbuzz.ca. This is yours truly, the hustler McSavage and my partner,
0: Kenji Kushbringer
1: this is a, bu, this is your buzzcast bar brought to you by sportsbuzz.ca Peace. you were just listening to buzzcast brought to you by sportsbuzz.ca catch the buzz visit us at www.sportsbuzz.ca or find us on facebook at News Canada. visit us on instagram at SportsBuzz News Canada. Find us on Twitter.